Hey guys, welcome back. Um, I am extremely excited for the next few episodes. I don't even know how many there's going to be. We'll see. But we have um, Dr. Charlie Fagenholz with, with us today. And many of you guys know that he wrote an incredible portion of my book, Autism Reimagine, and contributed some just phenomenal education and information. So first of all, thank you for doing that, Dr. Charlie. Um, and I just get so much good feedback from the section that you wrote, because it talks about a lot of those things that is, well, obviously is censored a lot, yeah. but yeah. maybe, you know, even for me as a new parent, I never thought about those things. And you titled it, Why Kids Are Sicker Than Ever. And it really is true because we are at a time and a place where I have never seen and observed so much illness in children. Um, and even just, just the observation I have of when you look at the, when you look at the cross section of children overall nowadays, there's just so many things going on. You see massive rates of obesity. You see massive rates of autism still happening, all of these labels. And so it's going to be really cool to do these episodes with you because you guys, we are going to just have a conversation back and forth and get into all the things that obviously him and I cannot talk about on social media. You're shadow banned again. I had to start a new account. I had to start a new account. <laughs> I have been deleted seven times, um, <laughs> hanging on for dear life. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so you guys are going to just really, really love these episodes. I want to encourage you, first of all, to share them out because this is the information that you cannot get on social media. Yeah. So we want to ask you that right away, you share these episodes out there on many different platforms um, and easy to share with people so that they can listen to them as well. But just to give you guys a little history. So Dr. Charlie and I met back in Orange County, California at the Cone Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he was just phenomenal with my boys. And we did a lot of emotional clearing and generational trauma. And even me and my husband, I, I would say, you don't call yourself a marriage counselor, but we did some type of weird <laughs> marriage counseling with, <laughs> with emotional clearing, which was really, yeah. really cool. Space um, clearing. Yeah. So first of all, let's introduce you to the listeners because this yep. might be the first time that they are, they are hearing about you. And again, he wrote a phenomenal section in the book, Autism Reimagined. So I want to encourage you guys to get that on Amazon, or you can go to thewarriorcenter.com and get that as well. Um, but Dr. Charlie, tell us a little bit about yourself first. So we obviously met in Orange County. Um, I'm originally from Chicago and originally I was going to go to pharmacy school. And, you know, long story short, I found that it just wasn't what I really wanted to do. And so I found chiropractic and then through chiropractic found what I really wanted to do, which was combine functional medicine and frequency medicine and kind of make this type of practice where you can get into all the chemistry and the toxicity we deal with, but also the emotional realm, the spiritual realm, the stuff that science can't measure and kind of combine them into a way that helped me. And as soon as I experienced it, it was kind of that light bulb moment of, you know, I, I feel like if I get good at this, I can help a bunch of people. And, and someone once told me that like the whole goal of life is to add value to the world and help people in that process. And, and that's kind of what I always keep in the back of my head. And I just chose this vessel of work to, to do it. And so uh, when you asked me to, to help um, contribute to your book, it was perfect timing. One, because my daughter was just born and I had two weeks to just sit there and just really think about what, uh, what people needed to hear essentially. Yeah. And 
you know, like I said, in uh, the title of the book, uh, my, my section in the book is we're so medically advanced as, as a society, we can perform surgeries, we have life-saving antibiotics, but the abuse of that stuff has led us to the sickest we've ever been. And so, um, it was kind of challenging. Honestly, it, it, to be honest, the, um, when I wrote that, when I was typing that out, you gave me the, the, um, the spark to start doing blogs and, and start speaking, uh, in front of people more because people just don't know what they don't know. And, um, it was a great, uh, a great collaboration to make something like that possible. Wow. I really appreciate it. And that's so cool that it, I didn't, I didn't know that it gave you that little spark, but you know, we get it from so many different places. And I know I got my spark from one person in particular years ago who challenged me to start sharing my son's story. And it was very scary. I did not know what I was going to be in for. And then the backlash that you get from sharing truth and, and just really rocking people's world of what they've always known is unbelievable. Like I have never in the last 10 years experienced so much hate and so much. I mean, in the last couple of years too, as we know how much everything escalated with the backlash of COVID and, you know, the vaccine or the injection and all of that. So actually I do want to ask you first, right off the bat, which is when, when all of this stuff started coming down in March of 2020, what was your first initial thought? Well, my, uh, my very initial thought was, do I put my prediction into the book? Because I was writing it in, you know, the last two weeks of February of 2020, when it was just starting to be a thing, so to speak. And so I'm like, you know, do I put it, do I not? And, and, and I'm like, I'll just keep it as, uh, you know, what is known so far, so to speak. And so my initial thought, honestly, was two things. First thing, it was created by China to get president Trump out of office, to crash the economy and to get him out of office so that China can get their cronies back into office. And then the whole world runs again, how it always has. That was my original thought. Um, you know, one of them, it did come true over time, but my second thought that I, I told everybody, and I've had multiple people come in as patients and say, you know, two years ago, you literally predicted everything that was going to happen. Cause what I said was they're going to make it a fear campaign and they're going to make it so that they can push vaccines, not only a COVID vaccine, but every other vaccine, it's going to be a stepping stone to just really ram other vaccines down your throat. And my last prediction, which hasn't happened yet to my knowledge, but I don't think it's too far off is uh, the most damaging vaccine or the one that pays the most out of our tax dollars is the flu vaccine. And so I thought that they were going to combine every year a COVID vaccine with a flu vaccine, because there's a lot of hesitancy in the flu vaccine. A lot of people kind of wake up like, I think you know, that I don't... Still might happen. Yeah, I, I, that's, so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it might happen. I just haven't seen it yet. But that was like my third prediction of like, I think that that's the stepping stone they're going to take. And then it's going to lead to every other vaccine, the MMR, DTAP, all that stuff, just being pushed even further um, yeah. out of the fear campaign of what COVID was and is. Well, I see now, I mean, obviously we see now lines already forming in New York City for a so-called monkeypox vaccine, oh, yeah. Yeah. which is just mind blowing to me. It's insane. Still, it's still insane. playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I see ads all the time. I'll be scrolling on um, whichever social media it is. And, I, and now I see ads pop up all the time to get your teenager and your kids, the menin, meningitis one, and also the Gardasil. 
Like that is just constant, constant, constant. So it's always been there, but yep. it's like how many people in the last couple of years finally saw it and realized it. And that, that is what's actually kind of exciting for me is seeing that there are people out there yep. who now, because of what they did, have chosen to never vaccinate their children. Yep, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I kind of wanted to start there because we have a lot of things that we want to try to cover over the next few episodes. So you guys remember, this is going to be a series of just really cool chats back and forth with me and Dr. Charlie. But I want to start with what I feel is sort of the root of, if, if we have this conversation of, of sick children, and no. you could say a sick society, right? No. But if you just isolate children, because I, I would say that's probably a majority of who is listening to me in terms of my freedom cast or reading the book or coming to you for help with their children as well is parents. Yep. And I, without a doubt, feel like I can point the finger at the entire vaccine industry as being mm -hmm. the number one root cause of what we are seeing today. Yeah. So I mean, like you hit it on the head. There's, there's a lot of toxicity in our world and me and you have talked about this before where I feel like we are uh, in a dirty fishbowl, right? We're goldfish in a dirty fishbowl, but we can't change our fishbowl. So what we can do is control the controllables and vaccines are a very controllable. Contr you can control the controllable in that no. you can say no. And I know that there's a lot of fear that is put in like, uh, the subconscious programming of if you don't do what everyone else does, you, you must be wrong, but you got to change your perception because if you do what everyone else does, you'll get what everyone else has got. And if you look at society, especially health, um, we're not going in the right direction. We're, we're far from going in the right direction. And like you said, I think 2020 kind of opened people's eyes and, you know, you've seen a lot of people come over to our side, but you haven't seen anybody from our side, go to the other side. You just don't, you don't see it because once you are exposed to it, once you see it and, and, and too often, you know, when people really wake up to it, it's when they have a family uh, member who's been injured or they themselves have been injured and then they can't dispute it. So, um, it's toxic. It is just so mind blowing. I, I, I saw an article passed by, and I don't remember who, who wrote it or, or who um, was talking about it, but it just basically said something like something to the effect of, I wonder if what we are seeing today as, as in terms of disease expression and mm -hmm. all of these so-called new viruses popping up and this, whatever, it's a whole other conversation of the germ theory and terrain theory, which I, we will probably get into, yep. but basically saying, and I was actually surprised because this was more of a, what I would call a mainstream ish news media person, mm -hmm. uh, that what if all of this is because of how we have messed with nature in terms of the vaccine program that almost really the vaccines themselves have created the mess that we are in. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everything, everything. And, and if you start looking at trends, they all started really happening, uh, after 1989, when, when, uh, you know, January 1st, 89 is when they changed the schedule because in 86, it was signed that, um, companies aren't liable anymore. And when, uh, doesn't have liability for their product that, and it has the ability to really be harmful. That's a ding. That's a slippery slope. 
And I would say from 89 to 20, uh, 2022 has been a slippery slope in our children, to say the least. I mean, it doesn't take long before you see that they're starting to push back our developmental markers and all these things. It's like it's giving them an excuse to keep making money off us. And then that we're dumb enough not to see really what's going on. And, and um, I, I really feel I, I know we've been saying this for a little while, but I feel like we're at a tipping point where it's only a matter of time before it completely gets exposed. Um, I mean, you see it, you, you see where everything's going and stuff and, and kids are not getting healthier. Yeah. They are not. Well, it's, it's, you know, and it's interesting too, because when you're in this space and I've been in this space for, I would say going on 12 years, um, ever since my son was vaccine injured. And, and by the way, you know, I always tell parents this, which is you, you listen to my story where he received nine vaccines in one visit that is not uncommon. They think that that is so rare. And I go, that's not uncommon. That's actually, if you look at the vaccine schedule at four months, at six months, at eight months, it's as routinely given two, three in one shots and then other separate vaccines. You're getting up to nine. And in some cases it's even more because you have, uh, you know, these Bill Gates vaccines that are 10 in one, you know, (laughs) types of things. Right. So it's not uncommon. It's just, it's interesting because when you look at what really keeps parents in the space of not, not just maybe, I don't know, not being willing to say no, not understanding they have a choice, really maybe being afraid that their child would actually be harmed by something like the measles, like really believing that. And I'm speaking from experience because I was, I was in that space where I remember having our son, our first baby, and I knew it wasn't right. And there was always that feeling inside of me that was like, I just, I can't put my finger on it. This doesn't feel right. But I just, I don't know. The word no could not come out of my mouth. Yeah. And it was the fear. Yep. It was, the, it was really the brainwashing that you constantly receive in that fear of, well, if you don't do this, you know, your child could bleed to death if they don't get the hepatitis B vaccine and you happen to go home and get in a car crash, yep. you know, like how common is that? I mean, that's, it's, uh, you hit it on the head. I mean, it all comes down to fear and I've noticed just in practice is people care more about their children or their animals than they do about themselves essentially. And so, you know, if a veterinarian says that your dog can die, if they don't do this, like your heart immediately goes right towards, I want to do everything in my power that this medical professional is telling me, but you're not like you put them on a pedestal and we need to start asking more questions and being able to say no. And, and so I know it's a lot easier said than done when you're in that situation and uh, you're being pressured because this is what everyone else does. If you don't do it, you know, your, your kid can die. And, um, I mean, I think at heart, all of us are, are, uh, very loving, genuine people. And so it's very easy to fall into that trap. But again, it's like, if you listen to the science, you're going to basically create a 2020 in your household, right? We can look at what happened to everyone in 2020 and stuff like that. And you're going to create that in your household. So, um, one other thing I've seen is schooling Mm. and when, when parents are working, especially in in this economy, you got to make good money or else you're not going to, you're not going to be able to provide. And so it it takes time and effort to homeschool. 
and the schools that people are sending their kids to are requiring vaccines and, and people, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's easy or it's simple, but it's not always easy. And when you have to change your whole schedule around some parents, are like, you know what, whatever, I'll just do that because I need to make money or something along those lines. And so I'd say between fear and that, those are the two main reasons I see why people all like they follow through with, uh, the vaccine schedule. So, and I have a lot of conversations still with people who live in California, with parents, with moms who are like, what do I do? What do I do? I don't want to do this, but you know, California in their, their, um, all their wisdom of passing SB 276. Uh, But here's the thing. And I actually would love to know maybe what you tell parents, because what I tell parents is I go, there's always a way. Mm -hmm. There's always a way. So whether it is that you have to get creative with homeschool or whether it is that you have to get creative with whatever you're going to show your school for papers, Mm -hmm. there's always a way. Yeah. So the the road that I've taken, and there's a lot of roads you can take, but the one for me was I got so tired of trying to convince parents that that what they should do is homeschool or have control over it, that I just started saying, here's what I would do. Because at the end of the day, I would just be so exhausted of telling parents, look, there is a way, this is the way, this is what, you know, you should look into and, and if it's possible for you and all that type of stuff. And a lot of times, you know, people just weren't willing to change their lifestyle in order to accommodate that change. So I just kept saying, I started saying, this is what I would do. And then when they would say, well, what about this, this? I'm like, I'm just telling you what I would do. I, I stopped having the conversation. So what that you would do? Uh, I would, um, we would homeschool. Yeah. Yeah. We would homeschool or find us like a Montessori school and things like that all the way up until um, we'd get to the next level essentially. And um, I know there's private schools and stuff that are are pretty decent, but uh, my wife and I like more of the cultural hands-on schools like Montessori schools and, and homeschool type programs where you can be with other kids and and socialize, and then you can do sports and and any type of other uh, extracurriculars you can do. And that's what we would do. That's what we're going to do. Our our daughter's only two and a half. So we got a little bit of time. Although Um, you are in Tennessee. So now it has changed a little bit because, you know, I'm in Colorado now. You're in Tennessee and every state has a different uh, law, so to speak, even though many of these laws are illegal laws in many respects. Uh, But people just clearly don't know that they can fight back. They really, I mean, you look again at the mask mandates, you look at the vaccine or, you know, the COVID injection so-called mandates. And it was really such, such an eye-opening experience the last couple of years of seeing how people just have no clue the power that they have at their fingertips. Yep. Where there's a will, there's a way always. Yeah. So I think in this vaccine conversation, I wanted to start here again, because I do feel like if we look at the, um, I mean, well, you can even just say with mountains of evidence that has come out that we all knew in the very beginning of even the COVID injection causing menstruation, um, cycle changes, um, girls, because now remember they're giving this COVID injection to ages five and even below that. And I have so many people coming to me saying, my girl just started menstruating at age eight or age nine. And I said, did you give the COVID injection? And, and not in an accusatory way, but it's a question we have to ask, did they get this injection? Yeah. And every single time it's yes. So we know that there are all, there's always a, 
there's always another side to something, whether it's natural or synthetic, because you and I both know that people can misuse natural things as well. But if you look at something synthetic or man-made, there is always going to be a, an after effect of yeah. something man-made that the body just simply does not recognize and does not want. And yeah. so if I look at what's happening today with children, because the autism rate is still growing exponentially. And I tell people, you want to stop the autism rate? stop vaccinating. I'm not even kidding. Just literally stop vaccinating. And wouldn't it be an interesting human experience to see what happened to that autism rate in the next 10 years, if yep. even 50% of a, a parent stopped vaccinating or 20%, right? Yep. So you have that, you have massive rates of obesity. Um, it, it breaks my heart and saddens me to no other to see to see children in a state where they are not thriving, yep. where they are, and, and we know what many of these root causes are, and it's not genetics. It's nope. not, and you have a section on that in the book yep. in why kids are sicker than ever. And it is not genetics because that's the scapegoat. That's the easy way out. And that's what they want you to believe. And you have massive rates of allergies and asthma and ADHD still. Um, and, and again, you, you look at all of this, and then you look at vaccines and you go, well, wait a minute, what were the benefits of getting diseases naturally? Massive benefits, yep. massive benefits, like cancer protection yep. to get measles. Shingles didn't exist when children got chicken pox, yep. right? All of these things actually have a benefit to getting it and priming your immune system to think and to function and to up-level every single time you get sick. But now you use something like a vaccine, which is synthetic, and they bill it as this is your way to get immunity. This is the way you're going to get exposed to this disease naturally. Play on words. They know how to manipulate. They know how to market things. It's not by accident. Right you look at the ingredients, right? So just think about some of these things, formaldehyde. Formaldehyde is what they put in dead bodies. Like it is toxic. Monosodium glutamate, um, I mean, polysorbate 80. Let's not even get into fetal tissue cells, right? That's a whole other, I mean, <laughs> I actually would love to know your thought on what you think in terms of the link between how we are seeing a gender identity crisis and the years that we have been injecting foreign DNA into children. For like sure. Just, it's just something to think about, right? Yep. So all of these things that I understand the idea in the very beginning of the vaccine industry, which really, I mean, yeah, you can point to smallpox a little bit, but I think it really actually ramped up with the diphtheria vaccine in the 1930s, because that's yep. when you saw your first cases of autism. And that's also when they started adding aluminum to vaccines yep. because the mercury was monster. So um, when, when we look at this topic, I would love for you to share maybe just two or three points of what you would want parents to really consider when they yeah. think about vaccines. I think the biggest point, and I always try to like almost ask questions so that people come to realizations on their own instead of like, you know, talking at them, so to speak. And what I always ask or what I always tell them is, um, your blood brain barrier, which protects your brain from your bloodstream, uh, doesn't close until they're seven years old. Okay. So anything before then that goes into your blood has direct access to your brain. 
do you think it's a good idea to inject these neurotoxins like heavy metals and polysorbate 80 and the stuff that you just mentioned? I think that's a good idea to put into the bloodstream. And if it has direct access to the brain, I have never had someone say yes. That I think alone is the biggest point because as you said, we have obesity, we have autism, we have childhood cancers. We have so many things that we've never seen before. And it always comes down to a toxin that changed the way your genes express themselves. And a lot of them, you know, they're in our foods and our food supply and stuff that's orally ingested, but anything that's injected into your blood immediately is the most potent. And so how can you not see that we've been pumping our children full of things that are engineered to elicit an immune response. Now, what does everyone have? Like you said, allergies, all these things are dealt with through the immune system. And we talked about earlier how I was um, shadow banned on my original account on Instagram. And and the reason why I am is because I did a post where I said that post-vaccine, the main uh, thing that is seen is activation of microglial cells, which is brain inflammation. There are cells in our brain that are turned on that create inflammation. The two populations of people where that is a hallmark every single time is autism and Alzheimer's. We have a lot of that going on. And so uh, that's when Instagram kind of uh, didn't really care about what I had to say anymore. And that <laughs> Yeah, the woke sphere. Um, yeah, that's right. you're, you're posting photos of, of you in a floppy hat or something at the beach. That's um, right. And I tried, I tried to put their vaccine stickers, their you know, uh buy small business, support Ukraine. I tried to do all their stuff. It didn't work. Actually, I, I actually really think, I mean, some of it could be Instagram's algorithms or bots that they go look for words. Certainly mm-hmm. that could be the case. But I really think it's there's people and groups that just go after they have nothing better to do with their life. Like that is such a that's such a an example of where society is at today Mm -hmm. and how generations have changed when you look at the the 20 year olds and the early 30 year olds. But I I don't know, I would say probably the 20 year olds, maybe. Um, And that's not all of them. There's some there's some good ones out there. You guys, some of y'all are good and and you are seeing the truth. And that's what we need is we need this next generation to be like, no, like we do not trust you government. We will not comply. We will not do this. And I actually have a lot of hope for that generation too, because they tend to be a little bit more rogue, but anyway, I really think it's just people who, um, they don't have anything better to do with their time, which is again, a great example of where we are as a society (laughs) and what happened in the last couple of years. But, um, but yes, that was one of the things that that was so eye-opening to me in our own story with autism was when I sat and thought about it one day, I was like, wait a minute, how is eating aluminum? Because the doctor, the pediatrician at the time who bullied us into it um, said, oh, aluminum is totally safe. It's totally fine. And I remember being in that office and saying, well, wait a minute, you would inject, would you inject your child with these nine vaccines? Like, I want to know, would you actually do this? Oh, without a doubt, totally safe. It's totally fine. Wow. And of course, then we know what happened. Mm-hmm. He was injured encephalitis. We nearly lost him. I mean, it could have gone so much worse than it did because then of course I apply, I, I administered Advil and Motrin or Advil and Tylenol, Motrin and Tylenol 
for the fever he got and for all the after effects, because that's what they told me to do, which made it worse. But what got me was when I sat and thought about it one day and I thought, wait a minute, there is no way that it could be safe to inject aluminum into yourself. There is no way it could be safe. And my eyes were opened and I thought about the blood brain barrier. And then I thought about his shrieking cries that night that were not like his normal cries. They were shrieking cries. He was in pain. The inflammation, I still, I get chills years later thinking about me sitting in his room with him shrieking and crying and I could not calm him down. And the fact that it was inflammation happening in his brain at that time, and I didn't know it. And it's just, you know, and I think also that's a part of where parents maybe, and maybe you can shed some light on this experience in your own practice, but it's really hard, I think, for parents to move past that place of guilt and shame and step into, I am never going to allow this to happen again. And I am going to heal my child. It's actually a very sadly small percentage of parents that move into that space of empowerment. So many stay in that, in that, well, there's nothing I could have done. And I think it, maybe at the end of the day, they know, but it's too hard to face that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, people care about their children and pets more than they care about themselves. And, and so what I always tell patients or parents um, who are patients in that situation is you don't know what you don't know until you find out you didn't know it. And so guilt is not going to change anything that happened in the past, but what can change is what we're going to uh, help you with, with your child to regain their life back. And then I also say, and then you can also spread the word of, you know, if you went back, what would you tell yourself back then? That's how you can turn the negative into a positive. And um, it is, man, it's such a, interesting dynamic because guilt can be such a, like a burden and people, like you said, will, will sometimes say like nothing can be done, but there's always something that can be done. Mm-hmm. Always something. It's never too late. The earlier you start, the better, but it is never too late to at least change their, their health minutely. A little bit goes a long way, especially when it comes to autism. A little bit goes a long way. If, if you can just change the way when they stim or their sensory stuff and just help them live more comfortably, uh, that's a miracle for a lot of people because some of the patients I've seen have some intense cases where it is a disruption to life, essentially. It is, a, it is very tough. And when you get these kids going from that type of intensity to being able to live life. I mean, that alone is enough to take the journey just to see if it's possible. It's enough to take journey. And I always say, you'll never, I can, we can never guarantee results, but we can always guarantee that if we don't try, we'll never know. That's, and that's, that's what I say so much too, to parents as I go, listen, I, number one, as I say, hope is the greatest natural drug that you will ever have because Mm -hmm. hope is what keeps you going. Hope is what gets you to that next step, even if you see some regression, because, you know, you know, as well as I do, you start working on the gut, you start detoxing, you start pulling out some of these heavy metals, you're going to see regression because the body kicks back. That's most of the time when people stop and they go, well, this isn't working. And that hope 
And that knowledge of no regression is actually a good sign. That means something's happening. Now let's keep pushing forward. And I always just think to myself, what, what if we never had done anything? What if we would have sat in that place and listened to that neurologist that told me, get ready to institutionalize your son because you're going to need to when he's 18. He will never function. He will never talk. Oh, and by the way, your other son's going to have autism too because it's genetic Mm. and don't have any more kids. I mean, that's literally what she told me. The fact that she is still in practice just blows my mind. But what if, what if you stay in that space? Not only I think is that, does that, it actually harms the parent emotionally and physically. And the side of this that is not talked about and maybe, and I would love for you to, to just talk maybe a little bit about that, you know, the NET and the clearings and stuff like that, because the other side of this that isn't talked about enough is that when we heal ourselves, guess what? Your child picks up on that and their body starts to heal faster. But what I see happen a lot, and I've been in that space in the very beginning of our journey is we put so much of ourselves out there into taking care of our kids and taking care of our spouse and families and all of this stuff that we are sicker than ever. And so that does a number on your emotions and your physical health. And I think that's actually a big block to healing children is us, the parents. (laughs) Yeah. In, in, in Chinese medicine, they say, treat the mom for the family to get well. And so one thing with autism is the children become very sensitive, not only to environmental toxicity, but to emotions. And they, they can feel rawly, if that's even a word, raw, very raw, very genuinely, they can feel anything that's coming off the parents. And so when we talk about emotional work, there's times where I'll be treating and I'll say, okay, well, they're sensitive to dad having money issues or they're sensitive to mom's grief about something. And so when the family works together as healing everyone, uh, it's kind of like, you know, families that pray together, stay together. It's families that heal together, thrive together. Yes. And um, it's a huge deal. It's a huge, huge deal. Like you said, like the emotional aspect of stuff is, is not often looked at. A lot of times it's just chemical. If you go to a chiropractor, it's a lot of times just structural, but mm-hmm. you can't truly heal if you don't take into account the whole triad of health, which is structural, chemical, emotional, and then I'll throw in spiritual too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and back to your point about when, when there's a little bit of regression, uh, that's when people kind of give up. And what I'll say to that is if there's any type of change, that's a good sign. Because if you can change something, chances are you can fix it or greatly improve it. Mm. And when I'm treating patients or treating children, when the parents, I've had this countless numbers of times after day one or day two, they'll tell me, I feel like I had my child back for a split second or a night or a week or whatever it is. And I'll tell them right there. And then I'll say, this journey will have mountains, peaks and valleys. You saw a peak. You have to take the good with the good, but take the bad with the bad, take the valleys too, because it is going to be balancing out the nervous system, balancing out the body. And a lot of stuff will start shifting. And sometimes, like you said, it goes into a little bit of regression and that's just peeling away the layers of the onion of the body. And so I always preface that when I treat someone uh, on the spectrum with their parents, because 
I also made another Instagram post. I don't know if this one got taken down, but I said is there's a theme that I see in society, which is when they're trying holistic health, they subconsciously have this thing about it where they're looking for the first thing that goes wrong. So they can say it doesn't work. Yes. They're in a Western med full-blown doctor's office. They, anything the doctor says, they will have the most hope towards it, no matter what. It's like a pray for the best attitude. When they come to holistic health, they uh, pray for the best, but they are expecting something to fulfill the false prophecy of that. This is quackery. You know, and I think if you, I mean, gosh, the, the emotion, let, let's do our next one full on. on oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> because on it, well, I always talk about emotions are the root of all disease, which is yep. very true. Yep. Um, but it's this self-sabotaging that we do to ourselves. And um, some of it is because it's almost like being afraid of, of what could happen. So it's just so much more comfortable to stay here and have predictability that, well, my child's never going to talk. They're never going to, you know, they're going to wear a diaper for a long time, or they're going to be institutionalized or all of these things that they're told, right? Because yep. that's almost, it's horrible to think of that. We don't want that for our children. Right. Safe. And so then you go and you step into this natural realm and you hear these stories of other children healing and you hear and you see all these things, but you self-sabotage. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said you've been talking about how, when you've gone to the neurologist or the MDs that you've been to in your journey is it's always a, Oh, there's nothing you can do, but then you go to this holistic realm and we come at it from a whole different perspective on what do you mean? There's nothing we can do. There is a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that we can do. And then right away that disconnect uh, for the patient. Sometimes a lot of people will be like, well, how can this person be so positive when everyone I've talked to is so negative and matter of fact, if there's nothing we can do. And, and I think that's another dynamic that has to be tackled right away because there's so much that can be done. And, um, everyone has a unique journey. I totally get that. It's not a one size fits all, but if you're not changing the diet, if you are still giving vaccines, if you haven't cleaned out the gut, if you haven't looked at metals and chemicals, if you haven't looked at emotional stress, then you have even touched the tip of the iceberg of what can be done. If you're not using red infrared light or hyperbaric oxygen chambers or other therapies out there, IVs and stuff that have helped so many people, you haven't tried anything. And there's so much out there that is beneficial that uh, just people don't know about. Well, and even just the simplest things like being aware of of the role of food, you know, that that's a whole other Pandora's box of, yeah, we could talk about a whole podcast on that oh, too. We will, we'll get to seed oils and all of that stuff. In yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. get to so much guys. So just hang on and you're going to want to listen to all these episodes. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, it, it was actually just not too long ago, a few days ago where I received a message from a mom who I had just, I hopped on a phone call with her for about an hour, which I, you know, that's one of my favorite things to do is to just really talk to parents who are willing, see, yes. they're willing to make the, the, the changes. They, and that's a choice. That yep. is an absolute choice. Because if we look at a cross section of society and we go, well, wait a minute, why are these people over here thriving? And these people over here are not, but they say that they want to, they say that they understand it's choice. Yep. It's literally a choice every day to drive through McDonald's 
or to cook something at home. It is a choice every day to buy something healthier in the store and maybe eat less of it. Again, budget, I get it, inflation, all of that. We, I totally get that. And we have budgets too, right? So it's like, well, I'd rather buy the grass-fed organic beef and eat less of it because mm-hmm. we already eat too much anyways as a, as a society, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then purchase the non-organic grass-fed full of hormones and Lord knows what other GMOs, right? Yeah. That's less expensive and eat more of it. So it does come down to choice at the end of the day. We are responsible for our choices and we are living in a society that is very, I don't want to take responsibility. I'm going to blame you, Dr. Charlie, for not wearing your mask and getting me sick or not getting your injection. And now I got sick from you when really the injection made me sick, right? So it's just a blame society. Um, But, you know, the message I got from her and she was, so sweet. And they, they are, they had just embarked on their autism recovery journey, which for those of you may be listening to the first time, I will make a very strong statement that number one, you can stop autism in its tracks by the choices we make. And number two, you can heal and reverse symptoms of autism. In fact, autism today, what I call modern day autism is not autism. Mm -hmm. It's a cover for incredibly sick, inflamed children. Yeah. And that's just the label they gave it because it was easier. But wait, Jody, I thought that we just got better at diagnosing it. Oh, totally. We totally got better at diagnosing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So what was so cool about her message to me was she said, okay, I'm going to do these things. I'm, we are going to change the diet first, which Mm -hmm. is where I always tell people to start change the food that is coming into the body. Yeah. And it was not, but a week and a half later a week and a half, she messaged me and said, she actually sent me a video of her son saying 10 to 15 new words just from changing diet alone. And that's a miracle. Like that is an absolute miracle. And it was a very easy change that produced something profound. Yeah. And so that's where, again, if you guys are listening, you're like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. This is too much. I get it because it can be too much sometimes. Like if you, you have to really be careful too, because you could listen to 50 different people and watch all this stuff on social media and get overwhelmed with the amount of information. And let's be honest that people in the natural health space can also be a little scary too, in terms of the information they put out there, they can be very fear-based information oriented too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talking heads in holistic medicine and all the talking heads um, are not in the trenches dealing with this on a day-to-day basis. So that's one of the things, all the like influencer type stuff and all that. Um, I can't get behind it because it's exactly what they are as influencers. They're not in the trenches. They're reading papers online that research studies, which if research studies always worked, we would never have any issues because people would be trying all the research stuff that worked, but it's just not how it I is. Love you, I love that you said that. And you guys take that to heart too, is listen, you've got to go find people who are in the trenches, who have, have done that. that they, you know, there are people out there who have very big followings. What do they actually really know? What are they selling? What are they doing, right? So I'm glad that you brought that up because both spaces, allopathic medicine, and natural medicine can be very noisy echo chambers. And yep. we do have to be very, very careful. So back to where we start, which is 
I understand things can be overwhelming. So go back, go back to simplicity. And what I always share with parents, and I actually would love to know what you share is I always say, start with the gut. You mm-hmm. start with the gut, you start with food. You start with, with changing what you're cleaning your home with. You start with the every day. What yep. did you just buy at Target? Don't buy that again. Yep. What did you just buy at the grocery store? Don't bring it in your home. Like yep. that is such a controllable and we don't have to know all the scientific studies. We don't have to know all of the deep rabbit hole information to, to approach something with common sense and say, well, maybe this food is making my child inflamed and sick. What if yep. we stopped doing it? Yeah, I, I, uh, I say the exact same thing that you just said is um, I will always say that it's not about perfection. It's about progress and do something better today than you did yesterday and do something better tomorrow than you did today and start with food and clean water. That's literally the basics, the basic, basic, because I don't know if anything is more important than the fuel you put in your system and this, uh, obviously water being very, you know, getting the cleanest sources of water and then foods as best you can. And then on top of that, what you clean your household with, what you brush your teeth with, what deodorant you put on and what you clean your dishes and your laundry with. Those are like the first things that I'll say, switch those out first, and then we'll go from there and see what resolves from there. And then we'll see what the next layer is. Yeah, definitely. What are you seeing? We got a few minutes left here. What are you seeing um, most right now, kind of in a glaring way. And let's just start with kids, because again, I think that's, that's always a good place to start because a majority of people, like you said, they do everything for their kids. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So what are you seeing, um, right now and Mm -hmm. what, what encouragement would you give? Like, are you asking what's the most common diagnosis I see, or what do I find is the biggest factor that I see? Let's go both. Um, diagnosis hand in hand. Yeah, they are hand in hand, but I, it's tough. I, I've seen some pretty interesting cases in the, like I've been in Tennessee two months, so I'm just going to talk about the last two months. Um, I think the biggest thing for kids is mental, emotional health. That is the biggest thing that I've seen hands down by far bar, bar none. That is it. There are some things that I've seen that are like one-offs kind of thing, but across the board, it is always my child has anger issues. My child can't concentrate, um, digestive issues, and it's all intertwined. Now in Tennessee, locally, and I, and I saw it more here than I did in California, but I'm sure it's more places than just Tennessee. Glyphosate is the biggest issue. Ugh. Pesticides in our environment is the biggest thing because we, we started out today talking about germ theory versus terrain theory. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are surprised when I say I mix the two. And so when I mix the two, uh, I'll find what pathogen is there. And then I'll find what made the terrain, uh, lovable for the pathogen. And it generally comes back to glyphosate. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, you, you, and here's what I understand can feel overwhelming for parents because you walk down the aisle of even whole foods, right? You think you're in a safe space. And then you turn over that package and there's canola oil in it. Yep. Or, I mean, yes, general in general, you're going to find organic things at whole foods. However, they're not perfect either. And so yep. that, that can feel like it, it almost feels like you're in a losing battle where you're like, well, what do I purchase? What do I buy? But the, the, 
encouragement is, is that there is plenty of choices. It's just, you start one thing at a time. And that is what I have probably seen the most too, in terms of just the general inflammation happening constantly in the body is the glyphosate because it's in almost any packaged processed food, unless you turn that over and you look at the label, it's going to be in there. Yep. And it is, um, even people who eat fully organic mm-hmm. and get it from a rancher and farmer's markets, like the wind carries pesticides all over the place. So if there is an organic farm and 10 miles down the road, there is a non-organic farm, that wind will take those pesticides 10 miles down the road and get onto your organic veggies and fruits and things like that. So, um, I'm a big proponent of saying that detoxing daily is just as important as brushing your teeth these days. I was just going to say, I think the key is to be really mindful of just gentle detoxing every day, because even for us, we've made great strides in our health because I didn't grow up with, you know, all kinds of natural things, although things were different even 20 years ago. Um, but it's, it's the, it's the every day of, okay, I'm going to open up my detox pathways. I'm going to, you know, take a bunch of sulfur. Sulfur is one of my favorite things to take, um, Mm -hmm. just to help with that gentle detox, the gut health, all of that, because you walk outside and you're getting sprayed with chemicals too, from the sky. So Mm -hmm. we can, we can sit in a space that is very negative and you go back to this emotion, right? Especially as a parent, you can sit in this space where you like, well, there's just nothing I can do. There's just nothing I can do. Or you can turn that around and go, well, yeah, I realize they're trying to kill us, (laughs) but (laughs) I have so much control over what I can do. And even though they're trying to kill us, they're not going to get me right. Like I'm taking control. So it's (laughs) it's changing that mindset of no, this is a, this is a priority. This is a choice. This is a value that we hold very much like you could say somebody has a faith value or somebody has um, certain financial values in their life. Where does the health fit into that value system? That's right. That's right. And and, uh, health is your greatest wealth. You know, I always say that health is a lot like money. You never know it's true value until you lose it and you have none. And um, man, it's, it's never too late. I don't care what age you are. Um, obviously the younger, the better, if you can raise your children, right. That is the best thing. That's the best gift you'll ever give your kids is to raise them in a household that preaches building your health and not just coasting and waiting for symptoms, because the only way you can coast is downhill. And and it's just, I see it far too often. And so people really, and my family included, you know, uh, my dad, he wants to work and work and work to leave me money and all that type of stuff. And, 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 uh, oftentimes that's people's number one goal is to leave your kids money and, and, and objects like that. But if you can leave them with good health and raise them to raise future generations, I don't think there's a better gift you can give. Yeah, I a hundred percent. I mean, again, we are a society that is very focused on material things, Mm -hmm. and status and being popular. And, you know, again, you throw social, you talk about the mental, emotional stuff um, and just what we are seeing today, the absolute heartbreaking, scary stories of what is going on in teenagers and the impact that social media is having on them that I think a lot of parents don't even realize. I mean, when we have come face to face with it in our own home, where, I mean, 
more so because we were very in tune to what was going on and very open to what could happen. And my children don't have social media. In fact, we make it very much a core value that that is not something that they need um, until they're 18 and out of the house, maybe, right? Uh, But we can see even those little signs of watching a YouTube video or texting, just being on a group text thread with other children in their class or other kids or preteens in their class and the mental and emotional impact that even just being in a text group thread can have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean, Steve Jobs didn't let his kids have Apple products for a reason and he designed them. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, it is a, Oh man, it's another thing you can talk about forever is social media and the impact it's had on our mental emotional. I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing what technology has done, right? Like we're able to be on this zoom call and, and, and do this and we can FaceTime parents and people on the other side of the world. And that's all great. But the flip side is now you give access to children of all ages, things that aren't truth. And they change perceptions and they change so much of what you see and what you think that anything that has that ability has the ability to ruin a society. I think you hit the nail on the head with it changes truth. It literally distorts what facts are. And you could, um, I mean, regardless of where anybody is in their social beliefs, it is a fact that you can see in the abortion conversation in the transgender and gender identity conversation that there is a distortion of facts. What is a woman? You can't define a woman. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be a biologist to do that apparently. Right. And even they don't want to because they're afraid of being canceled by saying the wrong thing. So it does, it does distort facts. Um, Okay. Let's leave this on a encouraging note. Yeah. (laughs) And I can't wait to get to the next episode. Um, An hour goes by really fast. Um, But yeah, maybe what would you like to uh, maybe leave uh, whoever's listening to this episode with some encouragement? I think um, I already said it once, but it's so profound that I say it all the time is do something better today than you did yesterday and do something better tomorrow than you did today. And it's all about progress, not perfection. It will seem like you're drinking from a fire hose, but you got to eat an elephant one bite at a time. And this journey is an elephant. And so there is a lot of people out there just like you in the same boat wondering, you know, can I do this? Should I do this? Is there anyone else kind of thing? And, and there is so much of us out there that don't let fear hold you back because if you don't try that, you'll never know. There, there are so many of us. They don't want you to find us, but there are so many of us. Um, okay, so where can people find you currently? Because you're on a different account while you're yeah. shadow banned. So my, the account that I've been using for the last 10 days or so is drcharliedc underscore 2.0. Okay. And then you are in Tennessee now. I'm in Franklin, so where Tennessee. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me, uh, you can go to my website at uh, drcharliedc.com and I practice in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, I love Franklin. It's great. It's a great place. Great people. Tennessee in general, is just good people. And we're very glad that we came here. So Wait, um, is homeopathy illegal there? Uh, I don't know about homeopathy, but you cannot, naturopaths don't have license here. That's what it is. Naturopaths can't have licenses. No, yeah. They don't have license yeah. here. Yeah. 
interesting for Tennessee. Very interesting. I know. Super interesting. Yeah. But you can do home births and, and all that type of stuff. And um, yeah, I think in the future, naturopaths will be licensed here. It's only a matter of time, especially with how many California, the, the right Californians are moving here. Yeah. Um, it's going to probably change the state quite a bit in the next five years. Don't, don't bring your liberal boat. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm you, all, all those people are moving to more Phoenix area in Arizona and closer to California. But people who are moving from California to Tennessee, are yeah. here because they're fed up with everything about California. Yeah, definitely. It'll be a very interesting next couple of years. I always said from the very beginning of 2020, when the whole clown show started, mm-hmm. that everyone was thinking it was going to be all over with the election of 2020. And I was like, no, it's going to mm-hmm. be four years. It's going to be at least four years. Yep. And that's not even just the election cycle. It will take like that long to either go one way or another and the yep. people to decide. Y'all get to decide which way that's going to go, right? That's right. Um, okay, so guys, don't forget, uh, Dr. Charlie has an incredible section in um, our story, the book that I wrote, Autism Reimagined. So you guys can get that on autism, um, Amazon, sorry, on Amazon, audio, Spanish, English, and then you can also grab it at thewarriorcenter.com. And I look forward to the next chat that we're going to yeah, have. These are always great. We haven't, done, we haven't uh, talked in a while. I know we're really honestly, guys, we are just scratching the surface. We really want to bring that portion of the book alive for you. Like just having that conversation where you can hear it from us and we can talk about some current things as well that, you know, the book was written before a lot of new things have come about and happened. So just really bringing that to life for you. Yeah. I think we should uh, touch on gut health and foods next. I think that'd be a good, uh, a good session, so to speak. Ditch the seed oils. That's the bunch. That's the bottom. Yeah, that's a big (laughs) one right there. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and um, we will see you on the next episode. See you guys.